Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Survivor Brothers, the ultimate unofficial podcast from your friends and TV guide. I'm your Survivor-obsessed host, Fox Van Allen, and joining me today is not Mr. Lance Cartelli, uh, who is taking a, uh, a brief, brief break uh, from this week, uh, but I have someone, dare I say, even more exciting than Mr. Lance Cartelli to talk to you today. Uh, from Survivor Africa, from Survivor All-Stars, from Survivor Winners at War, and most importantly, from The Amazing Race, it's Mr. Ethan Zone. Hello! <laughs> What's up? How you doing? <laughs> hey there. Uh, I am. I am so excited to be talking to you because you are like. I feel like part of the excitement of the season forty winners at war is getting to see a lot of like your old school favorites come back and play, and you are like the definition of an old school favorite. I feel like. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I just gotta say, it was an absolute pleasure to watch you uh, on TV again and, and have you back on Survivor, man. Well, thanks. It was uh, an absolute pleasure to be asked back to play. It wasn't an absolute pleasure to be uh, sent to the edge of extinction. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, so it was really great uh, great to be chatting with you. Thank you for uh, referencing kind of like the old school players because yeah. I was just as excited as you were to see all the old school players and the new school players because – I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been watching it since my season. And now to be able to come back and play again is pretty sweet. It's it's kind of like it's a survivor. I think Tony said it's like the survivor Super Bowl. It's it's just it's it's been 20 years in the making. And how can you not as a survivor fan be excited about this? Um, anyway, you you were, your last time on Survivor was I think you said uh, 2004, right? Survivor All-Stars. Um, and that's a heck of a long time ago. Uh, so give us, uh, give us an update. I mean, we got a little bit on the show, but like, give us an update on your life since then. What have you been up to? My life since 2004? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in, <laughs> How much time do you have? Uh, you know, I've got a couple, couple years here to, to hang out. Uh, well, uh, since 2004, a lot has happened. Yes. You know, we yeah. got, uh, flipped upside down in the whole reality TV world trajectory, which has been an absolute awesome ride, I guess you can say. You know, early on in the days, you know, Survivor Africa, which was the first season, that was in 2001. Mm -hmm. And then Survivor All-Stars, which was the eighth season, was in 2004. So in between those times and right after, it was nuts. I mean, you can just go back in time and kind of look at what was happening in reality TV. There weren't that many shows out there. So the shows that were on were incredibly popular. And because you were on them, it just opened up doors and it just gave you a lot of fun opportunities to do stuff in this world. And that I took advantage of that to my best ability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that Survivor isn't a huge show now, but I I've, certainly back in uh, Back when you were on the show, back in when, even going back like Survivor Borneo, like every human being on the planet was watching the show. Yeah, uh, it was it was it was crazy. Um, 
so uh, I now I know you've uh, you, you've done so much you've done so much work for uh, since then. Uh, I, I'm really into what you're doing with uh, grassroots soccer. Uh, I just want to just want to give you a moment. I, I I want you to talk about that a little bit because I, I think it's fantastic, and I want you to tell our listeners about that. Well, thanks. Yeah, before Survivor, actually before Survivor yeah. Africa, I lived and played professional soccer in Zimbabwe. And so when I was living in Zimbabwe, I witnessed firsthand what was happening with HIV and AIDS and how it was just just destroying this community I was now a part of. And one of my close friends over there, the starting goalkeeper for the team I was playing on, this guy named um, Amon, he got HIV. He was kicked off the team, ostracized from the community, and lived the rest of his life in a really horrible, lonely way. But at like that time of my life, I was like 27 years old. I didn't have a lot of money. I'm like, what can I do to help this massive problem? And all my friends that are you know touched by this HIV and AIDS pandemic that was going on. So I didn't do anything. I said, it's not my problem. And I get back to the United States, continue playing pro soccer here. And then as my career was spiraling out of control, I guess you could say, I uh, reevaluated my life choices and applied to Survivor. Mm. <laughs> and uh, when I went on Survivor, they brought us back to Africa, but this time to Kenya. And uh, while I was on the show, I ended up playing hacky sack with all these little ch children in the middle of this tiny town in the middle of Kenya called Wamba. Yeah. And uh, it was in front of this little like one room hospital. And uh, I asked one of the nurses, like, why are these kids just hanging out in the parking lot of a hospital? And she said, well, these are the kids that are HIV positive. So here I was in the middle of this game, this cutthroat game of Survivor, mm. and I had that real life experience. And so I just said to myself, like, if I get off the show and things go well, and I'm going to use the money and do something good with it. So I did. And we started an organization called Grassroots Soccer. And basically, we use the sport of soccer and the heroes that this sport creates to deliver life-saving health interventions to at-risk kids around the world. And so since Survivor Africa, we are now in 60 countries, and we've graduated 2.9 million kids from the program. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, good good work there. Um, so... Uh, in, in addition, I, I know since you're, you know, since 2004, um, you've also uh, gone through a battle with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and you talked about that uh, on the show. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm very curious. I mean, you've shared a lot of the story already, but like, how much of that is like on your mind when you're like thinking about like going back on the show and like when you're there. Um, I mean, it's on mind as a cancer survivor. Yeah. First of all, it's always on your mind. <laughs> it's uh, something that you just have to deal with and live with. The the after effects of cancer for me have just been a lot more difficult to manage than actually going through cancer. Like when a doctor tells you to do something or you'll die, you pretty much do it. Yeah. But when they say, "All right, you're in remission, go home," and then all of a sudden you got to pick up your life and get your life back on back in order and you have all the uncertainty and the anxiety and the fear of relapse and that just stuff really impacted me a lot after survivor and it's one of the things that it's not often talked about but when i got the call to go on survivor i was like oh my god like here we go again 16 years later you know i've just survived cancer twice not just but you know i'm a two-time cancer survivor and i had to get myself back in order and get my mind and body and spirit ready to go play survivor again 
and um, it was a daunting task, to be honest. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that? What's that? What is that like? What was? Uh, what was your your preparation there? Was there anything like special that you did? Oh yeah, I mean, one. Well, first of all, I live in New Hampshire, and when I got the call, it was winter, so the lake is frozen. There's snow up to my waist. You know, it's not the the best training ground to get yourself back in shape after. Sure years of inactivity, especially in the survivor sport, if we can even call it that. Yeah. Uh, so my wife and I, we moved. We moved down to uh, Atlanta so I could be outside, so I could you know, swim and run and light fires. And I read books on body language and lip reading, personality. I tied knots and puzzles and I watched all the shows, listened to the podcasts. Like I had to do some serious cramming. You know, it's like I was in college and it's final exams and I had like three months to, to, to make up 16 years of information to get ready to go play this game. Oh, I, I love it though. I love it though. I, I feel like that's the one thing you always get. There are always knots, you know, why, why not spend a couple, <laughs> couple minutes learning to untie and tie knots, you know? <laughs> Having said that, if you're a fan of the show and you're currently watching the first play-in challenge, there was like tons of knots, and then you had a high tie knots, and I totally shit the bed. And like, I, it was like I was so pumped up, and I finally got to the knot section, and I was like, oh my god, I, I practiced this, and it still didn't help. <laughs> Listen, folks, knots are so much easier at home. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Totally, totally, totally. I'm afraid not, but yes. <laughs> um, now, I, I was reading that, uh, you know, as, as part of your, uh, you, you know, af after your treatment, uh, that you spent uh, like two over 260 days in isolation. And I, I feel like that really kind of uh, almost like ties us to the moment here where almost every single human being in America and, and plenty across the world are like in isolation right now. And I mean, we are well under 260 days right now, but uh, I mean, I'm 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 going crazy. Like, what what is what was that like for you? Like, what like do you have any advice for the rest of us us us, so us softies advice. here who are who are who a whole are other podcast for that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically, the the type of cancer I had, I had a rare form of blood cancer called CD20 positive Hodgkin's lymphoma. Trust me, never heard of it either. But uh, I, you know, had the chemotherapy, radiation, and then I had what they call stem cell transplant. And after each stem cell transplant, you not only are you locked in like a hypersterile bubble for a month when you're launched from the bubble, then you have to remain in isolation for 100 days um, at your home. And in after you're done with those 100 days, then it's about a year of socially isolated lifestyle. So I feel like I'm completely prepared for this moment that's going on in the world right now. Um, however, you know, when you're sick with cancer, it was kind of my job to protect myself from the world around me. You know, I was wearing masks and gloves all the time. I couldn't go in public places, no taxis, subways, restaurants, movie theaters. I couldn't see my nieces and nephews for two years, eat fresh vegetables, all this stuff, similar to what's going on in the world. And uh, the one beautiful thing or silver lining that I guess I can say about what's going on right now is the entire world, like you said, is going through the same thing at the same exact time. Mm. And when I was going through cancer, I was the only one, you know, like I couldn't really just reach out to anyone and say, I'm scared, I'm lonely, or like, let's chat or uh, what, what's going on in your life or give me tips on how you're surviving. Like, I, it was a very lonely experience. Mm. And no one will ever know what that experience is like unless you go through it yourself. And everyone's cancer experience is different. 
But now with what's going on in the world today, I feel I encourage everyone to take this opportunity to reach out to someone if you're not feeling okay or if you're a little bit lonely or scared because we are all going through this collectively. And that's a beautiful thing in, in some small way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I will say, I mean, it, it has been, it's been tough uh, personally, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's one day, everything's fine. And then the next day uh, we're, we're in lockdown and we have no idea when we're going to come out of it again. And there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of anxiety about just not seeing your friends and just being out there, you know, and doing yeah. working from home, it just all, it just, your life changes so much. And it's just, it's amazing that, you know, uh, you know, as as tough as it is for us, you know, just knowing that you what you went through uh, is just so incredible. Right. I mean, my advice to you is, you know, one of one of the ways I was able to deal with the because as humans, we like to control things, right? We like our Netflix. We have our kids go to school and they have a schedule. We have our yoga instructor. We can get anything whenever we want all the time as humans right now in the world. However, because of this virus, we can't. And we're not able to control our surroundings. We don't know when this is going to end. And all this uncertainty breeds anxiety. And the first step to controlling anything you can't change is acceptance. And once you accept the current situation we're in, then you can move on to that next phase, which is how am I going to live the rest of my life? How can I map out the next 6, 12, 18 months of my life. And once you can accept where you are today, then you can reimagine yourself in this new reality. And on the other side of this pandemic and this isolation um, and this uncertainty is hope and resilience. So as my advice to you is like, if you can accept what's going on, I think that will help you map out how you're going to live in isolation for the next little bit. And it will help, you know, get rid of some of that anxiety. No, I like that. I like that. And, and you're you're right. I mean, brighter days are for sure ahead. Um, uh, not sure when that day is on the calendar, but it, the right. brighter days are ahead. And that's, that's well, how are you uh, keeping how are you keeping uh, things on track in isolation? A lot of Survivor. <laughs> I'll be honest. I mean, I it's yeah, I've been watching a lot of Survivor, uh, a lot of the challenge, uh, a lot of a lot of reality TV, actually. Uh, and a lot of video games. Uh, those are those are two of my things uh, that I've been doing. A little bit of uh, a little bit of walking outside, but I always feel a little bit uh, anxious whenever I go outside. I know it's not like, you know, I'm not next to people when I go outside, but it's just like, you know, it's home is the safest, right? Like it's it's, it it's just weird. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I see the like when I see the empty streets and the you know the closed uh, stores and schools out of sessions, like. You know, I'm always trying to look at the, the, the good side of things. I see that as like an act of love. Like I see that it's a collective movement of the world to stay away from the healthcare workers and protect the vulnerable people out there. Like right. me, I can't, I literally, a blood cancer survivor is three times more likely to die of COVID than anyone else. So like I literally can't leave the house right now. Like I'm wow. stuck inside. So when I go out there and I see people running around and sweating and, you know, taking, you know, taking off their mask and going, screw you, this thing doesn't exist. Like that sucks for me because it just delays the time that I, I can't leave the house until there's a vaccine or a cure. Literally. Wow. Wow. I'm not going are you crazy? Like if I get this thing, I could die. So for all those people who are like, oh, screw this, like maybe, you know, if you're looking for something good to do in the world or trying to be like charitable or give back, the best thing you can do is just stay out of the way of people like me and for the vulnerable people. And that that's the best thing you can do to help the world right now. 
Ab absolutely. I I'll sign on to that 100%. I love Thanks. it. Um, okay, so I, I want to talk to you. I got some. I, I want to talk to you about uh, Survivor Winners at War. I've got yeah. some plenty, of, plenty of questions to talk to you, and uh, hopefully, if you got a couple more moments here uh, to stick around, sure. uh, we'll talk about that. And we're going to do that right after this. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, uh, we are we are back here, and we are we are talking with Ethan. Ethan, I cannot believe that we are talking with Ethan Zone. It's it's just like one of those. I'm I'm having like a Survivor fanboy moment. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just like, like just the, like watching you on TV way back when, and like being able to talk to you now. It just it's so surreal. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and, and let me let me let me pick myself and get myself back together yeah. here. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we we were talking uh, here on the show. Like Lance and I had been talking a lot about like the uh, the Decal tribe, uh, you know the, the 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 Tony tribe with with Tyson and Yule, and there there was a lot of a lot of focus on all the the craziness that was going on there. Because I mean, Tony's a little bit crazy, so you're gonna see some crazy. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I didn't get quite as much of the the Sele tribe, the the tribe that you started on, except for you know the strategic aspects of it, because it seemed like you were always there trying to vote someone off. Um, I was just curious, like what was that like? What was that like? That like being on that tribe with these nine other winners is like a Survivor fan. Like what was the what was the what was it like? Well, as a fan of the show. I was excited to be around those people and play. I've seen them on TV. Yeah. I had watched them recently play. So I was excited to be there. I was excited to, you know, work with them or not work with them. That, that the whole environment was just, just instantly overwhelming, right? You got, I, you had Parv and you had Rob, you know, which are big names. Um, and yeah. then you got, like the new schoolers like Jeremy and Ben. So like in my mind, um, I was just a little overwhelmed at first. However, Bottom line is this, like Survivor is a game of relationships, right? Like it, someone's past resume didn't necessarily impact my game in the sense that like I wanted to do what was necessary at that time, at that moment. So I tried to put out of myself, out of my head, like all the fan aspects of it and kind of really make this a business opportunity and really like focus on playing this game and winning this game. But just the initial... I mean, just that, I mean, I don't know if you remember the opening scene of the show, walking in with the guys and then the girls rolled in like, you know, five minutes later and it was just game on. And I remember just being next to Rob because at that time I didn't know Amber was there. And then Amber rolled in. I'm like, dude, your wife's here. <laughs> like, you know, like, well played, buddy, you know? <laughs> so like just, and then you, I was looking down that line and there was 20 of us there and I was like, wow, like this is literally like the last 20 years of my life jeff probe said the same exact thing and so i was looking at all the 20 winners from you know the newest to the oldest and i'm sure the new winners were looking at the oldest to the newest and they're like everyone was just fanning all the time it's pretty fun <laughs> yeah um now you were uh i think we mentioned you were on the last time was uh survivor all-stars right and that was also right. a returning season and um, I, I think the the general idea on that season seemed to be that okay we've got some big winners here we've got Tina we've got Ethan uh, we we've got Richard Hatch and we got to get rid of them like the the they've already won let's get rid of them. Uh, 
how did that kind of, like, I, I know like the great news about winners at war is like, everybody's a winner. So that, that target's gone. But like, did, did that first time like shape your second time? Like, how did that affect you? Survivor All-Star was a little bit different in the sense that they only asked back four winners. So at that time and the way the game was played back in the day, the strategy was just let's get the winners off first. Like we don't want to let them win again. They already just won a million dollars. We can't let them win another million dollars. So it was an uphill battle the second I hit that beach. And you saw what happened. Like basically the most underrated not well-known players ended up winning, you know, like Rob and Amber were unknown <laughs> at the time. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> well, now they're very well-known, but at the time, Amber was first on the jury. Rob was voted off fourth. No one know who the hell these guys were, right? So those type of folks can kind of slide under the radar and do well in a game when they're bringing back more popular players, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So not to take anything away from Rob and Amber, um, but that was just kind of the way I read it. Uh, so, and then... But now with the winners at war, I think it's great because we are are all winners, right? So we you know don't have to worry about being segregated in certain you know demographics. However, there is a little bit of an old school, new school divide going on, it seems as you uh, yeah. not have seen. And so, I mean, the old school players were just knocked off one by one by one. And so this, uh, I guess, there was an some conversation was had at some point pre-game or very early on in the game to get all the old schoolers off first. So I thought that was just a, another interesting dilemma that we had to face going into a game like this. Yeah, yeah. Now you were you were just talking about uh, how you know how the the gameplay of, of All Stars is different and how things are things are moving a little faster. And uh, you know, of course, there's it's almost certainly no accident that all the uh, old schoolers wound up uh, leaving the game uh, pre merge here. Uh, but I, I guess the question is, and it was asked or brought up maybe a couple times with some of the newer school players, but like, can an old school player can old school players still compete in these more recent seasons like is it is the game like changing too much well i don't know the game is changing yeah. a lot yeah. is it changing too much i don't know i don't think the game is better or worse it's just different mm. and there's a lot more opportunities left to chance and luck in my opinion you know back in the day and i'm going to be that guy oh my god back in the day you know i, I walked to tribal council both ways uphill in the snow all right you know? grandpa right exactly but back in the day there, there was no clues there was no idols right. there was no currency there was no ways to get back in the game there's no you know uh, you know walk out of the tribal council thing or coin flip or anything there's nothing all we had was our own ability to survive, work on personal relationships, and win challenges as a team or individual. Yeah. So whether you feel that's more difficult to win a game like that or less difficult, you know, that's up to you to judge. However, you know, I found this style of play and the way that information is passed was challenging. It was rocket speed, and no one is able to hold a secret 
or keep an alliance <laughs> like what I was used to, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, these millennials, man, they are playing the game like they play Twitter and Instagram. They, you tell them one thing, they turn around and they turn, they tell someone instantly. They can't even keep it inside for more than 30 seconds. This is, this is, are, we, are we talking about Adam here? This feels, this feels like, <laughs> this feels like, a, this feels like an ad. I was, I spent the, uh, I spent the morning uh, rewatching some of the early episodes from the season, which was uh, just a fun, just a fun treat, just going back there. Um, and uh, I noticed that you had uh, you had a really close relationship uh, with Parvati, uh, Parvati out there, uh, both uh, in the game, uh, and it looks like on Edge of Extinction. Now, what, you knew her outside the game, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I knew yeah. Parvati outside the game. I met her in 2012 at a uh, celebrity soccer tournament, for grassroots soccer, and you know we met, became friends i actually introduced her to her current husband john fincher oh. um so that kind of uh sealed me in her book of friends i think for quite a while survivor small is john fincher uh, um yeah so so was it like once you're there on the 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 beach and you, you see the the boat come up and, and poverty's there is it just like instantly like oh yeah me me and oh, her, we're gonna work together yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was psyched. I was praying we'd be on the same tribe, which we ended up being on the same tribe, which yeah. is great. And um, having said that, you know, in, in hindsight or whoever may or may not be going to play the game again, like the concept of a pregame alliance is uh, real. Mm -hmm. It's happening. Um, so if you have the opportunity to do that before you go play a reality show, I highly suggest it. There seems like there's no rules anymore. However, I personally am not the type of person – I didn't even know this this part of the game existed, to be honest. Um, because when I played CBS, they do not tell a soul you're going on the show. If you do, we'll cut your contract. You won't be going. So we just remain quiet. And I, and I followed the same rules now. I haven't played in 16 years. I didn't know it was okay to just go talk people right I everyone's got a twitter now right like everyone's uh, everyone's kind of you know everyone's talking to each other and uh, yeah. I mean, we, we saw it there with the uh you know the the, the poker player alliance that either was or wasn't uh with with everybody just you know it, there's there, i guess there's so many opportunities to uh yeah that's something you know that's really interesting uh there was a a group of people um rob tyson Jeremy and Kim that played a poker event probably didn't think much of it. We're joking around about an alliance if they ever do an all winners. And then Yule took that information from outside of the game, weaponized it, yeah. and used inside the game to throw shade at Tyson and Kim. Um, and it worked. It, it completely worked. So now, now I'm afraid to go to events because, <laughs> right? <laughs> what is what information are people going to use for me to, if I show up at an event? If I have a play again, you know? Does that uh, does that mean you're you would play again? Like, is that no. like something? No, no. I told CBS they're like, oh, well, I'm like, lose my number, Jeff. <laughs> you say that now, but in another in another fifteen years. <laughs> oh God, I no, I mean, I hope I'm alive in fifteen years. Winners geez. at war. Winners at war too. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, we were. I, talked just mentioned a, a little little bit about adam but like I, if i recall correctly back on your all-stars experience uh when you were voted out of the game uh i, I think you you knew it was coming right yeah and this so this was basically like your first survivor blindside right oh yeah yeah um, totally. what is uh, so that you you've well you first of all congratulations on having what? the full survivor experience now because now yeah. you, 
right? Uh, but what's that? What was that? What's that like as someone who's played the game so many times and it's just. Well, you know, I the, I feel good because if you look up the definition of blindside, mm-hmm. there's going to be a picture of me right there. <laughs> so I'm that feels good. Uh, but yeah, no, now I, now there were some certain things that I wanted to achieve in the game of Survivor that were you know outside of winning and like losing, and I definitely wanted to be involved in a blindside, but I didn't want it to be my own <laughs> getting blindsided off. Understandable. But yeah, was, I mean, I had no, I had zero idea that was coming. Like I literally had no idea. I thought I was sitting in a good position, and then you know, like I said, Adam was uh, kind of rushing a big move, and you know, created a dilemma for me. I decide with either Adam or Parvati. I went with Parvati, and then, I, then, then basically Michelle and Jeremy saw an opportunity to get me out because they want to work and get closer to Robin, Robin Parv. Yeah, it was. Uh, you were you were blindsided then, but I believe uh, I believe Adam was just as as blindsided uh, by by that whole uh, by that whole thing. It's it's just interesting how fast things can move on Survivor, where there's one plan and then there's another plan and then there's a whole third other plan and. Oh, there's like 10 plans. It's all, you know, it's like sometimes the plans aren't even made in, at Tribal Council. That's another thing. When I played Tribal Council back in the day, yeah. you couldn't talk. I mean, maybe you could have talked to people, but we didn't know what we didn't know. So, sure. you know, you looked forward, you answered Jeff Probst, you didn't look to the jury. It was just, you know, when you were spoken to, you returned. But now Jeff's like, everyone, it's a live tribal. Get up, walk around, whisper. We want things to happen. Like, it's crazy. Things are make, happening up until the final second of votes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you do you, do you like that? Do you like that change? Like that's like the the live tribal kind of dynamic. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think that's right. I felt sometimes uh, I remember feeling like I just needed a final like reassurance or the confidence during a vote in the older seasons. But you, we really just couldn't talk to anyone. You're trying to make eye contact and you know hand signals, but we never really thought we could talk to people. We should have. Yeah. Um, so un- unfortunately, uh, you were booted from the, the game rather early. Uh, I think the third episode, fourth cycle, however that breaks down, right? Um, but there's this twist, right? There's the edge of extinction. Um, so uh, first of all, I'm just curious of like your general thoughts on edge of extinction. Like, is it like what's like is it great knowing that like okay i'm I'm out of the game but like at least i got somewhere to go to or is it just like i, I just want to like go and get a hamburger or something like, <laughs> well as a fan of the show yeah uh, i don't think i don't love the twist as a fan as a player i love it because you're not out of the game 100 percent. you still sure. got a shot at getting back in or two shots or three shots yeah. you know so in that sense i was happy that for this season that i'm on there was an edge of extinction yeah. Um, and I, I know like this is the second edge of, I mean, edge of extinction is kind of just like redemption Island with like a new coat of paint on it. But like the last edge of extinction uh, season that we had uh, season 38, uh, I, I know like a big part of it was that um, everybody on the edge of extinction seemed to have like some kind of like transformative experience or like there was like a, a personal discovery or they had a new perspective on life. And I, I'm just curious, like when you were spending, like you spent plenty of time there, like, did you have like those moments? Like, what was that like for you spending, you know, 30, 20 some days on this Island? Listen, I don't need another transformation experience in my life you know like i didn't fucking need that bullshit you know so 
I don't need to do that anymore. Like I went through cancer twice, yeah. spent five years like sick and in a bubble. So like enough pros, enough. <laughs> um, you know, but I signed up for it, so I'm okay with it. And uh, but for me, the edge of extinction, it, I did have a, a couple moments in it. You've you probably saw it, or the, the viewers have seen it. I definitely cried. I definitely passed out during a challenge and urinated all over myself. Um, I definitely was homesick and missed my family and cats and wife. So I did have that moment. I wasn't looking for that moment, but I had that moment where you just start to question things. And the edge of extinction definitely mimics or shadows kind of the cancer journey in the sense that the edge of extinction is like it's purgatory. It's your world in between life and death. Same with cancer. On the edge of extinction, you have just one or two more shots to get back in the game. In cancer, you might have one or two more shots in an experimental new therapy like myself um, or a clinical trial. Like on the edge of extinction, you're tired, you're hungry, you're thin, you're lethargic, you're away from everything you're comfortable with, you're cold, there's a lot of stress and anxiety. That's everything you feel with cancer. So I felt one prepared but yet again i didn't want to have to go through that because the last time i felt that way was when i was sick and so i just had some moments out there of just questioning what i was doing and if this was hurting my body and you know listen the days are long over there and the nights are even longer so you just have so much time to ruminate and get in your own head and you got to make friends with people and you can't trust anyone and friendships based on trust and so then you're alone again it's just this whole big disaster so that's my diatribe on the edge of extinction as a player as a viewer it's fun i'm i'm loving it i love watching natalie and and parvati and tyson you know looking for the peanut butter and finding the idols and fire tokens and rob getting pissed off i just love watching all that stuff yeah did you uh did you get a taste of that peanut butter out there that edge of extinction peanut butter is i it, did how good is it is it is it as oh good my, as it looked? Charge, you know. <laughs> one, I was impressed with the quantity and size of the jar. So that was, it was huge, huge, huge jar. Um, I had to split it amongst myself and Parvati and Danny. Um, however, it just tasted like you don't understand how little food we had out there. We averaged 150 calories a day, which is basically like a child sized palm hand of rice a day and we had to climb up to the top of the mountain even get our rice every morning and so like our biggest dilemma during the day is do we eat once a day with a big portion or twice a day with two smaller portions like those are the decisions we're trying to make and so uh it was it was torturous the food situation was dire worse than africa and africa was one of the worst places they've ever filmed survivor and so it was a struggle man it was a struggle mental and physical spiritual struggle out there well i guess that's I, I guess that's why those fire tokens come in handy right like i, I guess it, it seems like the uh gi one one gigantic thing of peanut butter seems a lot more what do you think as a fan of the show uh I was so I was nervous going into it that it would get like uh, just tricky to, to keep track of and I, I think like towards the end it did get like a little like Natalie has 14 like oh wow that's a lot like how'd she get there like I'm just trying to do the math right. but like I, I thought it was great there were like a lot of really great moments I think that happened um, like the the Tony extortion uh, moment like that was 
like that was the reason for me to like have these tokens in the game like that was just like a just like a fantastic just watching that was fantastic um yeah. so i think there's I think some uh, yeah there's yeah. some potential there Oh yeah, lots of potential. I think, you know, obviously we are the test case, you know, we were the first season to ever use fire token. So you can only imagine how the strategy of the fire token will evolve and become better and more powerful. Now everyone going into the game knows that there is a fire token and how they could best utilize them to their ability. And, you know, I can only imagine just the there's going to be a whole economy in there, you know, the bartering and paying people off and combining fire tokens to, to, to buy stuff. It's just going to be spectacular of where this can go. Yeah, we had survivor loans. Uh, we had it was it was it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm very curious to see where they, they go with that. And I'm just nervous that like it's it almost feels like a package deal with Edge of Extinction. And I'm, I, I don't know that I want them both to come back every time, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's a, a little torn, but I, I'm, I'm here for them playing around with the game. Like, I, I think it, it makes it, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta keep it fresh. You gotta keep it exciting. Uh, you know, as, as much as I love Sophie, the, you know, the, the, the style of her season where it's just like, we're all sticking together and then we vote out the other tribe one by one. And then the best of that one tribe wins well, it's great for her because she wins a million dollars. It's not as fun as like a fan to watch it when there's like more back and forth and like a little crazy right. stuff happening here and there. So I hear you. Anyway, that's my that's my thought. Not that anyone's <laughs> here to hear me talk. We're here to hear you. Um, so uh, so uh, I know recently I was just reading a uh, uh, The Ringer put out a list of their uh, top 100 survivor moments. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but your uh, your uh, experience, your performance on the edge of extinction, the the lo hauling the logs up there. Uh, yeah. You got you were number thirty three. You were the thirty three wow. best thing about Survivor in the history of Larry Bird thirty three. <laughs> yeah, not bad. You're I think you're just ahead of uh, Brenda finding Dawn's false false teeth, um, <laughs> which is uh, an epic moment of its own. <laughs> and just just behind uh, Natalie's jacket, which is uh, yeah, certainly. Right. <laughs> Certainly an iconic moment in and of itself, um, but uh, but I'm just I'm just curious since that was like such a such a big moment. It was uh, such a powerful moment. Like everyone is like there with you and finishing this. Like how like was it a tough decision to keep on going? Just like having your medical history. Uh, I'm just very curious about like where your head was at in that moment. Well, my head was ready to quit. And my body was ready to quit. And to be honest, I don't. If those kind of girls didn't uh, help me up that last leg of the race, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. And so, that, what was happening for those who may not seen it is we had this epic log challenge. Basically, we had to climb up and down, up to the top of a hill twenty times and carry one log down each time. There were four of us there on the edge of extinction: myself, Danny, Amber, and Natalie. And around log sixteen, I just totally felt faint, blacked out. The doctors came in. Um, and when in a game of survivor where I'm thinking as these girls walk by me, they're going to kick me or spit on me. You know, we're all competing for $2 million here. You know, a moment of, um, humanness and compassion and empathy spilled, spilled out. And instead of kicking me, they kind of just helped me and they just walked with me that last leg of the race. And in any, no one wants to go up that hill 
once a day, nevertheless 20 times a day, and they had already finished, and now they're going up one more time with me just to support me. So that moment transcended the game, and I think will be remembered, as you can see, number 33, but remembered for a long time as just a beautiful moment in, in, in the construct of the game of Survivor. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you find that like uh, at, on your time at Edge of Extinction, was it more like cooperative than competitive? Like, I mean, you're all still in the game, but like it's got to be different, right? Yeah, I would I would say it's cooperative. It's um, people are getting along. There's not much activity going on on a daily basis, like inside the real game. But I wouldn't say it's like a collaborative helping each other type situation. But we're all. No, that's not true. That's not true. Because like we all, you know, ate at the same time and we all helped gather firewood and we would all go up to the top of the mountain to get food. And if someone caught a fish, they'd bring it back and share it. So in that sense, I guess it, there was some community and there's camaraderie. Um, but the undercurrent was obviously we're all still competing. And when those challenges came along, we definitely it was that cutthroat die, you know, die hard strategy of winning. You know, that was definitely there but on a daily basis i would say it's a little bit more lax a little bit more relationship building jury management building um and uh less gameplay and just out of curiosity like when you were you know uh, they had you know the two return challenges like when you're there you know at the merge and tyson gets back in the game right like just like is is your like instinct like oh i gotta root for this guy like this guy is doing what i like like if he gets to the end, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for him, or is it like more like a, you know, good for him, but like I'm I'm still gonna vote for the person who has the best gameplay. I'm just just curious, like, do you uh, have for like me, a dog in the race, it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always nice rooting for someone that you you're friends with. Yeah, uh, I became friends with Tyson on the edge. I hadn't met him before that, and so yeah, I was rooting for Tyson and to get do well whoever did get back in the game from the edge there was a general consensus that we wanted them to do well having said that i'm a gamer like i respect the game i want to judge the players in the game based on how they're what they're performing and then you know you got to outwit outlast outplay and there are those are the three categories that you're judged on at the final travel council and we're all taking this pretty serious because it's for two million dollars it's the most epic season of Survivor ever in terms of the, the cast of characters. And so no one's just going to kind of go up there and just not really care about how people played the game and, and base their vote on other factors, I think. Everyone's taking it really seriously the whole time for all 39 days, everyone. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, listen, I, I've got uh, one, one, more, one, more, one or two more final questions here for you. And I want to wrap wrap things up. I, I pre, first of all, I appreciate you spending your your time with me. This has been fantastic, and I, I know the listeners here appreciate it too. So let me let me just th prematurely thank you. Um, but uh, if if you can hold on for one more moment, uh, I'm going to ask you those uh, final question uh, right after this. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. 
All right, uh, we are we are back with Ethan. Uh, so Ethan, uh, so I, I want to I just want to ask you because I, I know like so many people watch Survivor and you know fans just always at the back of their head like should I like should I apply like I'd love to play like I just do you have any advice for someone who's like just sitting at home and would want to apply and play as someone who's done it before so many times? I do. I encourage everyone to apply because you know you, you never know what's going to happen and if you don't try you're going to probably think about it your entire life and whether you get on or whether you don't it's still going to be a fun experience and you know don't worry about failing just worry about all the things you'll miss if you don't even try mm -hmm. so my advice is do it first of all you'll feel a lot better about yourself second it doesn't have to be some crazy edited nutso type video what Survivor wants to see is you, who you are as a person, how you would play the game, what is your strategy, how important is it to win the million dollars. That's what they want to learn. They want to know who you are, what you're about, and how you're going to win this game of Survivor. So I just talk to the camera, be honest, be open, because you know once you take away food and you take away water and you're tired and you're hungry or thirsty, your two-person comes into focus. So unless you're the best actor, actress in the world, you're not going to be able to hide from casting or hide from, you know, the, the cameras, uh, uh, you know, during even applications all the way into the game. So just be who you're being, being uh, a little an exaggerated version of yourself is what my advice is. Um, and you see how they play the game. You see how they cast the game for the different players. So, you know, it's the soccer player, it's the teacher, it's the Southern guy, it's the black dude, the gay guy, the hot chick. So like, if you fit into one of those categories, amp that up a little bit, but just be who you are. Don't say things you think they want to hear. Be who you are as a person. That's, that's good advice. I like that. I like that. Cause I, I feel like your, your actual self is going to show through eventually anyway. So yeah, lead, lead with that. Um, so uh, finally, pardon me. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, what is, what is next now that the winners at war is sadly behind us all. Um, what, what's next for Ethan? What, what, what are you up to? What, what's the future like? Well, when I got back from filming survivor winners at war, I moved to Plainfield, Vermont to live on a 116 acre hemp farm Ooh. where we are creating a reality television show and a new line of CBD products called Montcush. Okay. So if you are a reality TV fan, you will be loving this show. It's called Kings of Kush. It's going to appear in the fall and it stars a guy by the name of Anthony Sullivan, who is the OxyClean guy, if you are yeah. a infomercial guy um and his co his co-worker his co-partner his name's dave christian i actually met dave and uh anthony sullivan on eco challenge which is another mark Burnett productions in 2003 and we remained friends and you know cbd uh has been a huge part of my healing and survivorship after cancer it's helped with my anxiety and my fear and um that stuff so when sully bought this farm in vermont to grow product um because his daughter's got genetic issues and she's got some seizures he started giving her cbd and it changed her life it changed his life so he bought this farm and i'm like well if you bought this farm to make something to put in your body's your daughter's body i want in i want to be part of it so i invested in the farm 
and I moved up there and I planted it, I harvested, I processed it, I put it in the bottle. Like I wanted to get my hands dirty and see what it was like to actually grow a product that can heal you because I'm just so used to all the synthetics that they give you when you have cancer. Um, and this was such a huge part of my healing that I just wanted to get involved. So really excited about that. I'm excited about the product. It's really exciting. It's, it's if you're a CBD person, I highly encourage you to visit the Montcush website and uh, get yourself a bottle. I have a code for you if you're okay with me saying that. Go for it. Uh, it's Survivor30, and you'll get uh, 30% off everything on the website. We've got some really cool merch t-shirts, hats, plus the CBD, which is pretty high quality because uh, all organic, sun-grown, hand-cut, um, no solvents when we process it. It's just uh, a rosin press, which is just a little bit heat and a lot of pressure. It's basically fresh squeezed CBD. We squeeze the plant, the juice that comes out, we put it in the bottle, and you put that in your body, and it makes you feel real good. Oh, boy. Is Lance going to be kicking himself that he missed this? Let me, let me tell you. Uh, just, just out of curiosity, you, can, you can't take that with you on Survivor, right? Like this. No, the but I asked. Oh, yeah? Asked, yeah, so we had, you know, before you go out there, you have crap loads of medical. And so I said, listen, this I take this every single day, like a multivitamin. It doesn't get you high. This is CBD. There's no THC in it or trace amounts of THC. Uh, which is the stuff that kind of makes you feel altered, but I'm not into that side of it. I'm into the 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 you know medical beneficial properties of it. Sure. So I'm like, listen, I have I have a prescription for it. If I needed it, I use this every day. And they are like, okay, well, let us ask. They went, they ran it up the ladder, and uh, they came back and they said no because CBD and cannabis hemp is not legal in Fiji where we oh. film Survivor. So I was quite upset about that. In the sense that, like, this, I don't know, I was nervous to go out on Survivor without having, you know, the stuff that makes me, uh, reduces my anxiety and stress. And you're going into a game like Survivor, where all it is is anxiety and stress. And I'm already a naturally, like, you know, high energy guy. So uh, it was it was a little bit torturous at first. Yeah, that's, uh, that's understandable. Uh, interesting. I just, uh, interesting knowing that they uh, considered it. That's, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, listen, man, let me, again, let me thank you so much for spending the time to talk with me. This has been an absolute treat for me. Um, just fantastic talking survivor with a survivor legend. One of the winners <laughs> at war, uh, Ethan, please, uh, pl please come back and talk to us some other time as well. Oh, yeah, please. We do. When, when uh, Kings of Kush is released this fall, uh, I'll come back and talk uh, talk to you guys again if you want. Yes, please. I would love that. And I, like I said, Lance will definitely love that as well. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, uh, Ethan's own. Uh, if you, uh, and let me just say, uh, this is kind of where we're wrapping up the uh, Survivor 40 season. Uh, we, we know 41 and 42 are more survivors coming down the pike. We don't know when it will, uh, but uh, we will be covering it here on TV Guide when it does. Uh, so, you know, we're, we'll put, we'll put a, put a pin in that. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, we would still love it if you would subscribe to the Survivor Brothers um, on your favorite podcasting app, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, wherever you find good podcasts, you'll find ours. Uh, so we'd, we'd appreciate that. And you can stay up to date at wh whatever news comes down, uh, we will bring it to you. And uh, presuming if there is a big brother, uh, we don't know for sure. I'm guessing there may, there will be, but who knows? That's just me trying to be optimistic. Uh, the Survivor Brothers in the summer, we become the big brother brothers. Uh, so uh, head over there uh, on your favorite uh, podcasting app and uh, follow us there as well. 
Um, and if you really like what you hear, uh, leave us a review. Uh, but that, uh, otherwise, that wraps us up for just about the Survivor 40 season. Oh, my goodness. Uh, again, Ethan, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, bye-bye, everybody. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.